Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. Communication is key to survival for any being on this planet. As humans, we think mostly about written and oral communication, but it is not that simple. Communication is deeply integrated into culture through body language, tone, timing, pronunciation, and so much more. This, unfortunately, can be one of the biggest challenges people face when they move to new countries or regions. Joining us today is Heather Chetwind, founder and director of Voice to Word Consulting. Understanding the need for equity and inclusion in all facets of our lives, Heather leverages over 35 years of experience in the field of adult education, primarily focused on culture and teaching English as a second language to help internationally educated professionals reach their full potential. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. Of course. Thank you for taking the time to do it. We greatly appreciate it. Um, perhaps to give everyone context, could you explain a little bit more about the work you do and how your clients find you? Well, uh, as you said, I come from an ESL background, um, mm-hmm. but around 20 years ago, I got very interested in pronunciation and the cultural innuendos of uh, communication. And so I, you know, I took some courses and I started focusing much more on pronunciation. I started my own business. Lovely. And uh, after a while, I, you know, incorporated, I got serious, I got an office and all, all of those things. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's been almost 20 years, about 20 years now that I've been doing this. And I would say at this point, what I focus on is um, refining the level of English communication. So I used to work with beginners a long time ago. At this point, I don't. I work with uh, working professionals mostly. Mm-hmm. And um, so they're, you know, in, in theory, they're fluent and they're working in an English environment. But there are so many things that are holding them back. And a major one is clarity, just speaking clearly. Right. Um, and uh, then also it could be that their grammar is not quite right or they're, use- they're not using the right, the, the appropriate phrases and expressions and so on, or they don't understand them. And then the culture also is a big part because culture, it it defines what's considered polite and appropriate in each context. And think of it as a spectrum. We may be, you know, in Canada, so if this is, you know, zero to a hundred, Canada may be 20 to 50 in terms of what's considered appropriate communication. And then another country could be 40 to 80. So what that means is over here, if we're talking about directness, for example, these people are um, very direct. Yeah. And so I might consider that rude. And if it's someone over here, then they're so indirect that I don't understand them. So that's just an example of, of the way culture influences communication. So we talk a lot about that and work with that with my clients too. Right. Because a lot of different languages have that different 
tone and even volume as they're speaking. You can sometimes you feel like, oh, that language sounds really harsh or, oh, that sounds be very beautiful and soft and sort of, I think English is somewhere in the middle of that kind of We um, like to think that. <laughs> yeah, like we thought, yeah, maybe not all of us are like that, but that's so true. Um, but I think perhaps it's more about confidence versus trying to sort of perfect an accent or perfect anything is, is it more about giving people that confidence to sort of articulate themselves and stand up for themselves in, in a new environment? Yes, I would say confidence is a big one and mm-hmm. uh, judgment is another big one. Mm-hmm. Because people tend, well, let's say I feel a little insecure and then you do something and I'm going to immediately go to my insecure reasoning like yeah, did that because of this. I mean, that's where my insecurity is, which right. is objective. So I'm actually judging your behavior without knowing where you're coming from. Right. And uh, so I'll just give you a, a really common example. If someone asks you where you're from, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm saying someone who has an accent. Okay, if you don't have yes. an accent. Even if you don't have an even if you don't, you get asked where you're from all the time. <laughs> I, get, I get asked even. Yeah. That, right? um, but but I don't have any sensitivity about it, right? So right, um, yeah, yes. Because it happens all the time, and people assume you're from another place, right? Right. Like it might happen with you, right? Yes, um, all the time. <laughs> but <laughs> if you have an accent, uh, I mean, a, a foreign accent, um, and someone asks you where you're from. So many people go to, uh, they think I don't belong. They, they right. jump to that assumption. And so then right. they're free and they're a bit closed off. They're not very friendly, right? And it, I love knowing where people are from. Not yes. because I have accent, because I, I just love other countries. I love to know yes. about other cultures. And also maybe then I have something to say about that. Like it's a point mm-hmm. of, of communication. Conversation, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I, I find that if if you can withhold judgment and just kind of come back and assume that feels like I'm a bit then you're op- more open and you're able to hear and then more open to communication in general. Right? Yeah. Yes. And, le- and less insecure. I love actually what you said about that sense of belonging, because perhaps it's not about confidence or clarity or anything like that. And and you know, in the intro, I was talking about communication and culture being one of the biggest challenges but I think it the root of all of that is that sense of belonging you come from somewhere that you you know is home and you're making a new home or you're going into a new region or you're going into a new business or or anything it's um it's becoming part of that team part of that environment and that sense of belonging I think that's the most important which your work will will help people do which is amazing Exactly. I remember once I was teaching a small class, everyone was Latin American. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and they started talking about this issue of being asked where they're from. And yeah. half, like half the class started crying. You know, yeah. they were really upset yeah. by that question. And then yeah. one of the people said, you know, I used to be that way. But now when people ask me, I assume that they're just want, looking for a, something to talk about, like a point of similarity that we can talk yeah. about. The looking to connect versus yes. trying to separate you. Which yeah, changes it completely. And it changes yes. both the focus of both people. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So when your clients start with you, what are sort of the biggest challenges that they're facing? And, and what do you focus on? 
everybody's really different. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, sometimes they've been told to take the classes. Now they have to agree. Oh. You're in a company, you sort of have to agree. But the degree that you really do want to make a change, it can really vary. Yeah. So it depends on that, like where you're coming from. If you're really excited about it, it's great. I love that because then people are really open to learning. Yeah. But if you're resisting and feeling criticized and ostracized and like, again, that you're different and you're not being accepted, um, then that really hinders the, the learning process. Well, I can imagine that's sort of a human emotion, right? Like, and I'm I'm curious to know how companies can ask somebody or how do they approach telling someone that they need to do it? How's that even, it's, that's a very sort of tricky, it could be a development opportunity, but it's also could be considered discriminatory. So how do you, how do you work with companies to balance that? Yeah, actually I, at one point got accept this very long process to become a government of Ontario, um, provider I got mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and no one would touch me and it's exactly for that reason they didn't want to bring up the uh, the subject of accent or clarity yeah. because they were afraid of just you know being sued for discrimination yeah so it's definitely an issue um I always recommend because a lot of HR people are not sure how to approach the person <clears throat> I always recommend it first a, a, as a, a basis like um step forward for professional development based on some kind of review, right? And you really want to get them on board. Um, Some people, for example, a lot of Indians who have been speaking English for a long time and they come here, they're used to speaking English, um, but their accent is very strong for us and it's hard for us to understand. Mm -hmm. Not always, it depends. It depends on, you know, their accent. But often those people are, uh, they they go, well, I've been working, you know, for 40 years and or 30 yeah. years in English and no problem. And all of a sudden. Yeah. This- and honestly, their grammar is probably better than most people who live here. So. Very often. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So there's a complete resistance to making change. Right. Right. Um, so anyway, I, I mostly just say, for, say it's a professional development, it's, it's communications training and it can go to anyone. You don't have to be a second language speaker to get. Canadian communications training yeah so that you meet with me and then we do an assessment and we see where the issues are and then I'm I kind of a neutral outside observer yeah and someone in the company saying you know you need to change your accent which I don't like that approach at all no Uh, I don't think that would be an appropriate approach at all more clearly and sometimes it's just slowing down fair yeah yeah um so what do you think it what do you think it is about, I'll say, the adult mind versus the child's mind? Because, like, I moved to Canada when I was 14, and now, you know, no accent, no nothing. You know, you just, it gradually sort of evolves. I actually came here with a British accent <laughs> when I arrived. Yeah. So, um, but it's much harder, you know, I've known adults in my adult life who have been in Canada for 20, 30 years, but they never lose that yeah. accent. Whereas kids who move here, the younger you are, I suppose, the faster it happens. What do you think it's about, it is about the sort of adult mind that makes that a bit more of a challenge? Well, I, I think your mind kind of um, sets at, at one point in a little way. 
not yeah. completely because some people are so audio oriented and they they really uh, can't attune to the mm-hmm. music environment and, and to me accent is like music right um, they can pick it up they can imitate it easily they feel it it's emotional a lot it's not just technical right yeah so it depends on the kind of brain you have the way you learn the way you communicate in general and interact mm-hmm. uh, your immersion so a lot of people come here you know they come with their husband they come with their kids they have all their friends and and outside of nine to five they are living in their language they watch the tv in their language you know they listen to the radio in their language they read in their language um so they're not they're not at all um so that's one thing uh another thing is like uh like the culture defines you and your mouth also gets set you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. think of the t for example like in 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 english we have several t's but Take the T at the beginning of a word, like t- Tom, mm-hmm. and then uh, Spanish people will. So our tongue comes like this, Tom. Tom. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's right behind the teeth. And Spanish people will be kind of like bent a little bit. It'll be the pad here, and it will hit the 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 teeth, the back of the teeth often. Definitely. Tom. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. And Indian people are they they pull it back and they go Tom. just that one thing and so we tend to go for all our sounds there are like a few places that we would tend to go in english so there are a lot of sounds that go right there wow but in another language they would tend to go somewhere else so it's so habitual it's very strange unless you really work at it and it's like learning an instrument it, it to me that's the kind of practicing you have to just pay attention to all these fine details and you know practice a little bit and, and a lot of people don't have that attention or that approach yeah. they don't yeah. care right which, which is fair fine. enough you should only be doing this sort of work if you if you want to right if if it that's your choice it won't work if you don't want to if you don't want to mm-hmm. yeah yeah i find that fascinating because i'm trying to learn french right now and I remember saying this to a French speaking friend of mine. I said, I have to make my mouth make different shapes than I do when I speak English to get the pronunciation correct. So it's just, and it's so fascinating to hear just that little placement of, of your tongue can, can change how you pronounce a letter. Um, how do you, or how do your clients manage it? So your clients want to be there. They want to, you know, fine tune, um, their spoken and and sort of, I'll say overall body communication. How do they make sure? Because I'm sure they do that they don't lose, you know, their home culture. I'll call it as because you don't want to assimilate and have everybody be the same. How do we protect that sort of diversity and what's important to to the individual? Well. I would say, first of all, our culture does change when we move to a new place, always, mm-hmm. a little bit. Yes, a little we bit, yes. Yeah. used to the way people behave. I remember I lived in Central America for five years, yes. and I came home, and I went to the doctor, and so I was going up in the elevator, and no one looked at me, no one said anything. I walked yes. into the office, people were all around the place, no one looked up, no one said hello, and I was like, what's the matter? You're like, why is and then, you know, within a week, I didn't care. Like, because yeah. it was so natural for me, right? But yes. I have taken on that kind of cultural 
what's correct and what's right to yes. do, right? Yes. And it's very emotional. Yes. You know, the emotional yes. reaction we have because we're we're conditioned emotionally by our culture. Mm -hmm. So the other thing is we have different cultures, even in our own culture. So I mean, different modes of communication. So I'm going to communicate one way with my boss, another way with my daughter, another way with my husband or my best friend. You know, mm -hmm. we, we do have sort of ranges, registers of communication. And so, yes. you know, when I'm with Spanish speakers, I speak Spanish, I, I adjust my communication a little bit. Mm -hmm. And when I'm in English, you know, I adjust it too. Like it just is automatic. Sure. It's part of the language. So I don't think people are really going to lose their culture. I, I do think it's really important to teach your culture and your language to your children. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a proponent of speaking English at home all the time. Not at all. Yeah. Maybe have, you know, Canadian dinner and speak English. Well, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Watch yes. Canadian movies, you know, I don't know. Um, but, I, but you do need to immerse yourself in English to yeah. because if outside of work you're always in your native language or speaking in English with people from your native country mm -hmm. you're not you're not getting any reinforcement yeah speaking and so you hear the sort of watching tv and listening to I guess podcasts and things like that can help is that true that if you're sure. listening and observing it can help yeah it's immersion but for if if you just want an easy technique for um, pronunciation to improve your pronunciation, mm -hmm. yeah. I I like I, I really like TED talks, and the reason okay. is because you can stop them, and they have uh, most of them have a transcript. Yeah, they're hypertext. So what that means is you can click on a part of the transcript, and it will start right there, and then you can click there again, and it will go back, and it will go back. So you can have things being repeated, and you can really listen. And you can oh, slow down the speed. Mm -hmm. And then you can imitate. Okay. Right? You can yeah. imitate, but it's not just the words. It's the music and the timing, the rhythm, right? Because yes. that's what makes people sound native, more native. Right. And it's easier to understand them, right? Yeah. So with, with speaking clearly, part of it is the music of the language. Mm. And, and part of it is just well, of course, the enunciation, like how you say all the different sounds, but it just slowing down will make a huge difference because it allows people to go, oh, that that was actually that sound, not this sound, not what I yeah. thought. Because when people speak really quickly, they drop they drop parts of words and they don't give you enough time and maybe their grammar's not correct in some places. And so it's really easy to misunderstand. Yeah. So slowing down and then practicing that music which is the accent, right? Yeah. I think that's so beautiful to just, you know, to describe language that way as music because it truly is. It's like tones and, you know, rhythm and everything else yeah, exactly. um, that goes into music, right? Um, you talk a lot about practice, which I think is really important. Um, what would you say to people who are trying to practice on their own, but, you know, sometimes they'll get made fun of, sometimes they may get ridiculed. So a lot of people will just, um, be quiet and, and they won't try anymore. How do you, how do you help people practice and sort of gain that confidence on their own? That's a large question. So <laughs> let's just start looking at practice, first of all. Yes. Um, 
there are some great resources on on the internet which we can maybe put in the um yeah in the description absolutely later Mm -hmm. um so one one that i'll share is where it has all the different sounds and you can see how they're made and so on so that's that's really useful to know compare with your own language and -hmm. another one is it's a lot about the music of the language and they're all videos and they're really so they're good to to watch um But I would say you, you choose something. You go, okay, well, I'm having a problem. If you're East Asian, you might have a problem with r for example. Mm-hmm. If you're South American, you might have a problem with B and V or Filipino yeah. P and F. You know, I mean, right. there's some really typical issues there. So if you're having a problem with that, learn, like watch some videos, learn about the differences, everything on the internet. And then... Set yourself a goal of practicing five minutes a day. Mm. Don't worry if you make a mistake. It's okay. Yeah. You know, like you're not going to change your accent in one week. <laughs> so 100%. you record it. It helps not always, but sometimes record it and listen to yourself because when you listen, it's different than when you're speaking. Right. Um, and when I say five minutes a day, you take things like, for example, if it's PNF, Pan, fan, pan, fan. The pan is on the stove. The fan is in the window. It's a nice fan, a cool (laughs) fan. Like just make things up, but try to keep the same sound. Okay. So, So one thing is learning those sounds, the difference between them and how to technically make them and to practice that. And the other is to start integrating your thinking into it. So you'll never get it into your language if you have to stop every time you come to a P or an F in the language. You won't even know, right? Right, yeah. You have to start integrating the technical ability of making those sounds with with uh, your brain, your thinking. The flow, yeah. And creating. Okay. Um, so if you do that for five minutes every day, just take, take that, do it for five minutes every day. You start observing it in, in the day to day, you start self-correcting. So that's one approach that I would really take, like right. even if you just slow down. So mm. talk to yourself for five minutes, but slow down. For slow down. Really hard. Yeah. And, um. and some, some languages have different uh, speeds. So they, they tend to say the same thing in the same time, but they may use like twice the number of words or half the number of words, right? So in English, we, we don't speak very quickly, not as quickly as Spanish, for example. 100%, yeah. Same time frame, we say the same amount of information. So if you mm. speak English at the speed of Spanish, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to understand because it's too yeah. much information. Oh, I got you. So that's um, half of your question. I can't remember what the rest was. Well, I, yeah. So that well, you're right. It wasn't the first half because it's about practice. But as I was watching you, and I know our listeners can't see you, but sort of the shape that you were making with your mouth made me think about muscle memory. So is it helpful to actually not just record yourself, but video and sort of 
like any muscle it's, it's your whole face too that goes into it right not just yeah. not your mouth so okay so I, i'm going to give you an example okay here's okay. someone here's someone talking like i can talk like this and i and i i know english well and i know how to say things but i'm not very clear and right? our listeners can absolutely tell you're not moving your lips so now i'm back to moving my lips and so okay. just moving your lips makes it a lot more clear moving it in the right shape right right so it is important to work in front of a mirror sometimes and okay. look at yourself because yes. you might think you're making a round shape for the W or the. But you're absolutely not. You're not. Yeah. And, and then the other thing is when you start to do that, you might find that you bring in other muscles, like your whole face contorts. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a good thing either because you'll never do that. You'll never yeah. use it in reality. So it's learning to isolate the right move muscles to make the right sound right and, and if you're concentrating too hard you might look angry <laughs> i have that problem if i'm concentrating all yeah. all the kind of that yeah so you want to move the least amount of muscles but with the right yeah. amount of shape you know wow there's, there's a lot of detail in it it's a lot it's a long process mm-hmm. but i think a lot of people can do it on their own if they just don't take off don't bite off too much just take a little bit little pieces and work on it and you don't need hours and hours you know perfect and so the second part of my question was um when they start practicing they may meet resistance or um some i guess hostility for lack of a better word which could make them recoil and then just sort of be quiet and stop practicing and lose that confidence how do they how do you advise people to sort of ignore the noise and just allow yourself the space and place to continue practicing and keep trying, even when people are mean sometimes. Yeah. Well, I would say that first of all, they're probably confronting that before they even practice. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So it's a really an initial thing. And, and you do need to be aware that when you start to change how you speak, if you've been speaking English for a long time, say, Mm -hmm. and then you change it. It's sort of like if you've been dancing, you know, Colombian salsa for years and years, and then I say, no, you got to dance it like this. This is how we do it in Cuba or this is how we do it in Mexico. You know, then you've got to change something and then you feel like you can't dance anymore. Right. Yeah. Muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens in English, too, when you start to change. And so it's uncomfortable and sometimes Mm -hmm. you're not very clear. So, um, you know, it is a bit of a mind game. It, it, It does take. Uh, some confidence um you know I think things just like uh, taking a little time every day to envision yourself you know mm. in a situation like that makes a huge difference and watching yourself talk so mm. people often go oh my god that was a terrible mistake why did I do that I feel you know now they're off somewhere else right that, that's not helpful not helpful at all and that is a long process. That's good for everything to watch yourself talk because we yes. tend to criticize ourselves and um, talk badly to our detriment. Yes. To ourselves. 100%. So developing awareness on what your mind is going through when you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. or when you feel good, you know, like paying attention to that and, and really, um, visualizing seeing yourself in a situation let's say you have to give a presentation today and you're uncomfortable right so 
or talk to your boss about a raise or something. Like mm. role play it. Uh, see yourself going in there also. Uh, you know, with with some like visualize how you would like it to turn out, and and also set an intention before. Mm. You know, I find setting an intention intention that is um, something you have a control over is really great. So just for example, if you're going for a job interview, you don't have control over whether you're going to get the job. But you can say set the intention that I want to perform well in that job interview. I want the interviewer to like me and mm -hmm. respect me. And, uh, you know, that's the most you can do. And, and that's still good. Even if you don't get that job, if you've connected with that person and they respect you, they'll remember you. They might refer you for another job, you know. So that it, it, not putting all the um, weight on the outcome of something, but on, you know, making sure you set an intention and you've done the best you can in that. And you've sort of held back, try to develop the habit of holding back on that self-talk. Right. It's a long process. It's not easy. <laughs> Some These people, are good rules for life in general, though, yeah. right? Like, it's yeah. just how you setting your intentions, being careful of your self-talk and, you know, blocking out the noise is important in, mm -hmm. in every aspect of your life. So bring that energy into language and, and yeah. communication as well. And that's perfect. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so what would you say for our listeners would be the top three things they need to think about um, if they're trying to fine tune English as a second language. So I'm going to put the first thing is really an emotional thing. And that is uh, basically not judging other people's reactions, not, not interpreting them right away. Like right. give space, give, remember I did a course uh, on clowning and the, and the teacher was saying, Practice benevolent acceptance. So just Ooh, I like that. <laughs> that the person is, you know, benevolent or not aware of what they're saying or their, their intentions are not negative, you know. Right. Um, and it helps you to separate that emotionally then. So you don't, because your emotions can really stop you from learning and, and progressing. Yes. Um. The next thing is to get a clear idea of where you want to improve or where you think you need to improve uh, in your English. Um, ask for feedback from people mm. you trust in English. Mm -hmm. you work with somebody, you know, what, what do you think are my issues? It, people are not always very forthcoming, but, it, you know, if you ask a number of people or maybe you yeah. just don't. Or a trusted person who would be comfortable telling you the truth. Sort of yeah, because sometimes you uh, you think it's one thing. I've had students come to me saying, I, I have got a problem with my accent. It's not that. It, it's that the language is just not clear at all. They're, the verbs are all wrong. The structure is wrong. I don't understand what he's saying. It's not the words. It's not the pronunciation. Right. But he thought it was the pronunciation. Right? Oh, I got you. So okay. You may not be right wrong. You may not be right, <laughs> you know, so just Fair, yeah, you need to find out what it is, though, right? At the end of the day, <laughs> and then focus on something in there. Then the next right. step is to choose one thing yeah. and uh, take it step by step. It, you know, it's only a bite size each week. I mm. love the idea of getting an accountability partner. Mm. I have accountability partners in many things. 
Yes. Um, it's just like you check in once a week, you set a, yes. a kind of a, a, a task for the week. It, mm-hmm. it should be manageable. You know, some yep. people are so busy, they hardly have any time, but five minutes a day is usually manageable, you know, yeah. or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're doing. And then check in with each other. You both do that. And that really helps you see the progression and write it down. Mm, yes. It's a different level of, excuse me, commitment that you make to yourself when you write something down. Yeah. Well, you also have a reference. I did that. Yeah. Oh, I did that this week. Good. Tick. Now, oh, good. I love checking things <laughs> off my to-do list. <laughs> yes, me too. Feeling. <laughs> yeah. Gives you that sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, those are very practical, doable, five minutes a day. Um practices that um our listeners can do so before we wrap up for today is there anything else you'd like to add for them uh well i would i i think the final thing which i did uh mention it is um the uh speaking slowly mm-hmm. slow down when you're if if you're having communication problems or issues right. with people understanding you slow yes. your speech down because whether it's accent or grammar or what or even culture you know um if you slow it down you're not yelling it so no one's going to think you're rude yes. um, and and they have time to assimilate what you're saying and correct in their mind what they're hearing whether it's grammar or accent or or tone or anything like that and it, it's a great practice to have because it will make you a lot uh, less aggressive and more clear. Well, maybe you want to be more aggressive, but anyway. <laughs> I don't mean really you can be confident, not aggressive. <laughs> yes. Aggressive perceived very neg- negatively, mm-hmm. but clarity and confidence, sort of a similar thing that people want to achieve that is interpreted exactly. much better. So that's it. That's that. That's the main and the very first step that anyone can do. I love it. A huge difference, and it gives you time to think. Also, yes, I was going to say it's actually a beautiful philosophy for life is just to slow down sometimes. And if you're forcing yourself to speak slower, which I should probably do at some point. (laughs) But you're taking the time to reflect, allowing people to understand you, and just taking a moment and giving yourself time and space, which is a beautiful thing to do in general. (laughs) So Heather, thank you so much. I'm sure our listeners learned a ton from you today. I certainly did. So greatly appreciate your time. Thanks so much. My pleasure.